This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm sponsor of the Score North Studios, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Sprints to his right, throws back across the middle, and he's intercepted. The return by Porter, and he's brought down with seven seconds left. And steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable. Vikings win it. Judd Zolgad, here's what I sense. Maybe, maybe not entirely from you, but I sense the people have already given up on this Vikings game against the Saints. That like because the matchup didn't play out the way that people wanted to, and because the Saints, I went back and looked the Saints last two months. For those of you not paying full attention, they've scored at least thirty-four points in six of their last seven games. Yeah, and I talked to our guy Tom down in the uh, cafeteria, the guy who makes wonderful chicken Caesar wraps on days like today. Tom's a great guy. Tom's like Tom a man. A lot. He's a big Vikings fan. Oh, big sports fan. Yep. And he said. He just looked dejected, and he said, I just don't, uh, can't get up for this game. Uh-huh. Can't get up for this game. This is the least excited I've been for a Vikings playoff game in a long, long time. And I said, I'm not going to tell you how to feel, Tom, and Vikings fans, but I actually woke up today thinking this is potentially, if this game is good, if this game has some sort of back and forth or some sort of I don't know, memorable ending of some kind. Uh This has a chance to be one of the great Minnesota sports trilogies in my life and maybe in your life. Because I know the Vikings played the Saints in the late 80s and like they've they've played the Saints once in, I think, 2000 with Dante Culpepper too and smoked them. Yep. But to me, the trilogy starts with the Brett Favre Bounty Gate game in 2009. Okay. Point for the Saints. And then one of the greatest games ever. In NFL history, the Minneapolis Miracle game from two years ago, this is like boxing trilogies from the 70s and 80s. You've got Sean Payton, Drew Brees. You've got Vikings Heritage franchise over here. Mike Zimmer, right? Yep. I think this has a chance to be, whether the Vikings win or lose, a really memorable trio of games. That's what I'm looking at going into Sunday. I think the fan base feels like, uh, until they're proven wrong, that this is the Vikings... So so the Miracle game was great, right? And that was a truly great football game. Like, that was haymakers left and right, and two teams really at their peak. And I think the Vikings fan base and where I can sympathize with them going into this game on Sunday feels like they've got the old fighter now, the 49-year-old who's coming out forming at the end for one more fight, and he's bobbing and weaving, and he's going to get punched by Drew Brees. But I don't blame fans because if you look at this game... What have we been saying all year long to the Vikings, basically? Prove it, yeah. right? And so they haven't yet. This is another chance. And now, now the really intriguing thing about this game to me is if you do come out and surprise the Saints and somehow win this football game, and this is really weird to say about the playoffs, I'm not saying it's simple, but your path grows easier. 
Like if if I was to tell you, if I was to throw the the six team NFC playoff field at you right now, Phil Mackey, and say seat them yourself. So you know, I don't care about record. Yep, you put Saints one. I think I well finish your thought because I have a, I have a bit so, of a different take on this. So the field actually, I think decreases in toughness after this game on Sunday, but I completely get a you know a fan base that has seen week two, Green Bay, you lose, uh, Kansas City, backup quarterback, tough place to play, but certainly a winnable football game, you lose, Seattle, oh my gosh, it's really close, one last drive, you lose, sure. Green Bay, and, and the Green Bay loss here, I think rattled a lot of people, because that was a game where you said to yourself, this team's not that good, defensively, Smith played a great game for the Packers, but that was not a game where you said, oh, the pa- untouchable. For one half, the Packers were basically like, take it, it's yours. And you couldn't, and you sort of got smoked. Yeah. And, and so I empathize with the Vikings fans who are still left saying, okay, you're a playoff team, but there's a lot to prove here. So, all right, you, th- you have the Saints clearly number one. So you're saying just right the now. Saints are number one in the in the in your mind, right? It, 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 forget yes. about what they're actually seated. You've got the number one, correct? I have the NFC's the six playoff teams. I have them tiered like this. I think the Saints and the 49ers, It's a coin flip. I think both those teams are incredible. I think the 49ers might be on their best day, more complete all around. I mean, they're just the DNA is so different because you've got. Sort of this up and like you can make a case that the 49ers have in Kyle Shanahan the next best. You got Bill Belichick the last 20 years. Kyle Shanahan, Mm -hmm. as a coordinator now, as a head coach, might take that torch just based on the work he's done uh, his last two stops. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you've got up and coming, young, on the rise, innovative coach over here. And then you've got longtime grizzled. But still a great innovative offensive mind in Sean Payton. So some contrasting there. You've got upstart Jimmy Garoppolo over here in experience, but also playing really well in the system. And you've got old grizzled Hall of Famer Drew Brees. And then the way that they would like to beat you is different. The Saints would like to beat you 34-31. to 31. The Niners, it hasn't worked that way as much in the last month. The Niners would prefer to beat you like 21-16. to 16. That's the drop-off, though. But the Niners have shown you, and here's where I disagree with you a little bit, that I don't think it gets... I think if you have to go Saints-Niners, I mean... Good luck because sure. Saints, you have to score thirty points or put out one of the great performances of Mike Zimmer's head coaching defensive uh, tenure, right? Mm-hmm. Or you have to find a way to score thirty four points against them. But the Niners have shown too that they can score thirty four points or forty points and go toe to toe and beat teams as well. So I actually put those two teams just based on how many different ways the Niners can beat you and based on how prolifically great. The Saints are offensively. I put those two on the top tier. And then I put Seattle, Vikings, and Packers. Even though I get that the Vikings lost to both those teams, I actually put those three teams all in kind of a line. I don't disagree with that, yeah. Because if those, if I honestly think if I the Vikings completely. and Packers played 10 times, I know the Vikings are 0 2 this year. I think it's like a 50 50 split in those games. The Packers tried to lose to Detroit. It's the worst 13 and 3 team in the history of the NFL. They're a second seed. Did. They're getting yeah. a bye. How are they it's getting absurd. a bye? Schedule. I watched luck. that game. Kirk Cousins throwing a pick in no, the you're second right. week of the season. I watched that game, the, the uh, game at Ford Field yesterday in the back of the press box at the Vikings game. Honest to God, Phil, for basically two-plus quarters, the Green Bay Packers were like, ah, it's okay. It was we don't. super weird. And they were trying to throw the game. <laughs> guys are dropping passes. <laughs> Rodgers, I'm not going to say he's cooked, okay? That's too strong to me. But he's nowhere near the guy that, that he was four years ago. Yeah. Nowhere near. 
And so I'm watching that game, and there was there was a moment in my in my thought process where I thought the Vikings are going to lock in as a six seed to play in Green Bay, but, and I'll take that game. And call me crazy again. Call me a homer if you want. If you're, let's just take the Packers and the Vikings here, okay? And I get that the Packers beat the Vikings twice, and the Vikings have to answer to that, and the Vikings deserve criticism for that, and Kirk Cousins deserves criticism for that, and everybody does. But if you're telling me which one of those teams has a better chance against the more complete 49ers or the high-powered New Orleans Saints, if Dalvin Cook is playing in that game, either one of those games, the Vikings have a better chance against either one of those teams, I think, than the Packers do. So this might sound really weird, but to me, I don't give the Packers credit fully for the two wins against the Vikings because the Vikings, and this is a criticism of them, so blew those games. Like, it'd be one thing if week two, the Packers scored 21, and now they got 28, and the Vikings score a touchdown, and you're like, yeah. oh, boy. But it wasn't that that way. And the game here, to go back to my point from before, I think it shook a lot of people because there's no reasonable explanation for why the Vikings so completely came unglued. The Packers weren't great. Smith had a great game, okay? Yeah. But beyond that, was there anything about the Packers offensively where you said juggernaut? This is a no. No. So I'm with you. The San Francisco, so right now as we talk about this, the San Francisco portion to this equation of why I would rather play them than the Saints is this. Six weeks ago, a month ago or so, I said, that 49ers defense, man, good luck, right? Like, if you go there, good luck. Now I firmly believe, after seeing the last month of games and watching, and I know that Wilson's a great quarterback, but seeing... Seattle go down the field in the second half last night through what looked like Swiss cheese. You go to San Francisco. I'm not assuring this, but I think you could trade punches. The Saints scare. I don't know that you can trade punches in the Superdome with Breeze. I think you can try. I'm not sure it's successful, but if you asked me or told me, hey, next Sunday, you're going to play in Santa Clara, San Francisco against that defense right now. And it's going to be cousins against Garoppolo. I wouldn't say can't do it. What is the thing? Okay, let's keep let's keep peeling back these layers here because I think you represent what a lot of Vikings fans feel, and I and I and I feel more that they can go toe to toe with any team in the NFL, road or home, and that it's up to them in the last five minutes if they want to take the next step. And so far, they've had chances to, and they just don't. Like they've had the ball in Seattle with three and a half, and then they just don't. Or they've had the ball in Green Bay earlier in the year, and then they throw an interception. Like they're there, mm-hmm. and the punch is there to be thrown. And they just whether by they I mean Kirk Cousins or Mike Zimmer, or it could be uh, a blown coverage defensively. But what is the, what's the number one thing that makes you the most apprehensive about the Vikings going into New Orleans and making it a game? Because it sounds to me like it's less about well, they, it, if I'm reading your mind correctly here, it doesn't sound like you're saying. Um, well, they're going to keep it close and then fail in the end. It sounds like you're saying they're just going to get their asses kicked on Sunday. I feel like they're going to lose by, well, not asses kicked, but I feel like, like they'll probably lose by at least a touchdown, which I believe is what the spread opened at last night. Yeah. My number one my number one question is actually not offensive from the Vikings standpoint. My number one question is who's going to stop Michael Thomas? And in 17, if that was, if it was Michael Thomas, you'd say, Xavier Rhodes. He's shadowing. Yeah. And, and and you would not necessarily say, okay, Thomas, two catches, 15 yards, but you would say heavyweight, shadows him, he catches four or five balls, but guess what? He does, he does not kill you 
in that game because at that point, Rhodes is so good, right? I, I said this on Ventline today. It's my firm belief that if the Vikings come out of the Superdome late Sunday afternoon with a win, it'll be Mike Zimmer's greatest defensive game plan triumph of his coaching yeah. career. Yeah, I mean, this is... Because think about, think about that quarterback, that receiver, and then you tell me... What's the game plan to stop that guy and that quarterback, too? Yeah, and this is Mike Zimmer's chance to make up for the debacle from the NFC Championship game two years ago. And I think that was Mike Zimmer's defining career moment at the time. It was his biggest game he's ever coached in and as a head coach, maybe even just ever. And this, the a backup quarterback who's proven to be garbage as a starter, Nick Foles, carved him up for 38 points or whatever it was. And so, does Mike Zimmer have it in him? And this is, we're going to talk all about this too, because there's some Mike Zimmer Dallas stuff to be. Uh, I know you dove into it on Ventline earlier, but I think this is, this, again, I'm not saying that these things are guaranteed to happen or that I would put a bunch of money on these happening, but if Mike Zimmer can come up with not a shutdown game plan, but a hold them under 30 points game plan that at least gives you a chance, mm-hmm. if Dalvin Cook plays, and if Adam Thielen feels a little bit better two weeks rest, mm-hmm. I think you have a really good chance to upset the Saints on Sunday. And it's not good. It, I, I just think to go into this game already waving the white flag, you know, thinking, well, just like it's to ignore all of the really great things that they've done this season. Right. Kirk, Kirk Cousins has still had his best season as a quarterback. There's but a lot, there's a lot of good things that they've done. It's a ton time. of questions, though. That's fair. It's a ton of questions. Cook is Cook, and you know, not playing him for two games to me incredibly smart. But is he ninety five percent now? Is he because if you send in Delvin Cook into that game on turf in a dome at ninety percent, that changes everything. It now, is. if he's seventy two, or you know, seventy percent, that's not as great. But if you can give, if Kirk Cousins at his disposal has has Thielen and Diggs. Full strength and Cook full strength. That changes the di- the dynamic against the Saints defense. That's not great completely. And then the only question then is Kirk's mental mindset. And does Kirk freak out because it's a hostile environment that's incredibly loud and tough to play in? Or does Kirk calm down? But yeah, I, I think what I can say for Vikings fans that's very fair is this team has potential and good personnel, but they have a ton of questions. And you know what? On Sunday afternoon, they yeah. can answer them. That's another great part about this game on Sunday. Win or lose, you're just going to kind of know, right? You're going to know about Mike Zimmer. You're going to know about Kirk Cousins. Uh, and now, if they if they lose a shoot, if they lose a a twenty eight to thirty one close one, and Kirk looks amazing, and it was just Breeze that came back one final time with a haymaker. Okay, now you kind of go go back and forth a little bit and say, okay, what did you really answer this season? Uh, but let me throw one more one more hat in the ring here. Uh, the Green Bay Packers at thirteen and three. We can sit there and say pretty definitively, this is one of the worst thirteen and three teams that we've ever seen in the NFL mm-hmm. since they changed to a sixteen game schedule. Mm-hmm. You might also be able to say that the Vikings are one of the better ten and six teams. How many ten and six teams? I don't have the research in front of me, but how many ten and six teams have a plus one hundred four point differential on the season? Um, and also. Had in terms of points allowed defensively, like we rag on this defense, and rightfully so. I mean, the secondary, at least for the middle portion of the season, was mostly a disaster. But the Vikings only had one team in the entire NFC, the Chicago Bears, that gave up fewer points than they did. 
and it was a five point gap. So the defense is not as bad as people think. The one the one common thing I'll say about the Packers and Vikings to me is this. Both of them beat up on a lot of terrible teams. Schedules are ba- basically the same. And they both took advantage of the fact that they play terrible teams. Good for them. But yeah, you, that, get, you, get the, you get the NFC East and the Lions and the yes. Bears on your schedule. Yeah, it's, it helps. The Green Bay Packers, I, I think it was, Collar brought up the stat to me today. The Green Bay Packers against Detroit this year, I don't think ever led throughout the entire games until the very end. They led for zero okay. seconds. But think about that for yeah, a second. It's amazing. And they could have lost twice to the Vikings. Yeah. That's four wins. That's a four-win swing right there. So uh, where are you guys at? Listeners, where are you at with this? Are you just are you like our friend Tom down in the in the uh, Score North cafeteria? Tom's downstairs? seen a lot of bad stuff, by the way. He has. In Minnesota sports. He was still wearing his Vikings hat today. But, oh, sure he is. But, yeah. but are you kind of like Tom and you're sitting here saying, I don't know, this is the least excited I've been for a Vikings playoff game in a long time. Or are you looking at this and saying, whenever these two teams hook up in the postseason, it's pretty legendary. The last two times the Saints and the Vikings have connected, we've witnessed two of the greatest games in NFL history. The Bounty Gate game with Brett Favre, and then the Minneapolis Miracle, and then whatever they have in store on Sunday. 651-646-8255 plus Mike Zimmer trade rumors. We're going to get to those shortly. Ryan and Fargo, you're on the show. Hi, guys. I kind of feel like Right now, the Vikings are, um, I'm excited for the game, but I'm also kind of nervous. Um, I think that, I feel like they're kind of like the wild right now, where they're kind of in that middle ground, and maybe, you know, maybe trading for Zimmer might be a good idea if things go go awry on Sunday. Ryan, thank you for thanks, uh, Ryan. Thanks for calling. We love when Ryan calls in. Keep your radio down to a, a low volume in the background. Still enjoy hearing it. Uh, all right. The wild comparison's not bad. The Zimmer, the Zimmer conversation here, which I'm sure we'll, we'll delve in, into as the show continues, Phil, which I had on Ventline and then the hour that I was in Purple Daily with Collar, is a very nuanced, difficult one. And I feel like there's far too many people on the black and white sides here of that's a terrible idea. You can't do it or or yeah, he should be gone. It's very the Viking the Vikings to their credit in the last what would you say probably five? No, six years or so with Mike as coach and, and Rick as GM as well, because he deserves credit for this have reached a level of stability that a lot of teams don't have. Yes. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you have an answer that's better? And and if if Mike does not win on Sunday, and let's say they get blown out, it's embarrassing. What he's going to start to be judged on by a, a lot of people, possibly the Wilfs as well, is playoff record and performance. But this is a very nuanced, in-depth... Like I, do, I just don't want this to be a pound the fist. He should be fired, or you have to no. keep him. I think this is... It's it's worth broaching. It's a definite conversation. But, Phil, we've seen this franchise for years when... when and it's not like they've had a lot of bad years, but they've had a lot of sort of embarrassing years, you know, where things go wrong, where players are are causing problems, right? And the last six years have been a lot of good stability here. So I think before we get to the point of saying, if they don't win, he has to be fired, we also say, or I come back with, okay, that's fine to say that, but what's the solution? Like, what's that next step? And and my final point, because this, this is driving me crazy. 
this whole, well, just give the job to Stefanski. He's a play caller, and he's done a nice job, and he's a young man, all right? But if you don't understand the difference between calling plays, and I appreciate that. That's a tough job. But between calling plays and rallying 53 people and being in charge of everything yeah. and doing and doing pressers constantly, then you don't get it. Also worth noting, who was the team last year that was hot after Kevin Stefanski? Do you remember which the team Cleveland was? Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Who are going to talk to him again, I guess. But the Cleveland Browns yes. are the team that decided Kevin Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens mm-hmm. are the two guys that we're really hot on. Mm-hmm. And look how bad they whiffed on Freddie Kitchens. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I, I think Kevin Stefanski is great in his current role. But if you think, if your goal is to jump from good to great, you are spinning the roulette chamber yes. by replacing Mike Zimmer with Kevin Stefanski. And that might be, like, we, we can have that discussion because that is, the, there, it, it is kind of a black and white discussion to me. You are really good right now. You're one of the 10 or 12 best franchises, and you're pretty secure in that standing with a quarterback in his prime who's at least going to win you seven or eight games every year. Uh, with a def- I would say Mike Zimmer, he's probably got two to five years left as at least an above-average defensive-minded coach and maybe on his best day still a great defensive-minded coach. And you could continue forward and Rick Spielman and be really good and know that you're going to be really good and your floor is going to be like a reset seven and nine season or something like that, right? But if you want to go from good to great and there's maybe only five franchises at any given time that can be great. Patriots, right now I would say it's Patriots, Ravens, uh, it's Saints, 49ers, and probably Kansas City, right? Those are like your five great franchises. Maybe you could debate a couple other in there too. Um, There are no guarantees that by firing Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman and, and Kirk Cousins and hitting a reset button that you go from good to great. You might go from good to rebuilding for 10 years. Um, That being said, Sunday is when I come when I come into this studio on Monday and hang out with you and Rami and we got the band back together. I am going to have a very very strong opinion one way or the other based on Sunday's game. What direction the Vikings should go in the offseason? But I think that's like, fair. It's going to help clarify a lot of but things. But I I think that that's fair, and I think it's fair because you're not really going to be judging that assessment on just one game. You're judging that that assessment on a body of work of a season. Look. Right now, I get that the Vikings won 10 games. I get they're going back to the playoffs. But if you were to ask me right now, play a game called Happy or Disappointed, I'm disappointed. Beat Kansas City at Kansas City. I mean, we've talked about this before. Your best win in my mind is still at Dallas, and Dallas is a dumpster fire. So I'm disappointed. But that doesn't mean that if you blow the entire thing up and just take the OC and give him the job, that all of a sudden that's going to be... Oh my goodness! Kirk Cousins has now throwing for uh, you know four hundred yards against every team. That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, hey, quick on-air production meeting. You guys just want to blow out the next break, and do, can we just do that, Declan? Can we just go the full hour right now and talk about this? Is good stuff right now, and we have full phone lines. Oh, cool. Let's take. Let's uh. Nice. Let's just go. Let's just go straight Vikings talk the entire hour, and then we'll we'll take a break at the top of the hour. And it's it's Black Monday in the NFL. Let's get to uh, let's get to the phone lines here. We're we're full right now, but as soon as someone drops off, how do you feel about this? It sounds like there's a lot of conflicted Vikings fans that are just kind of in wait and see mode, not really pumped up about this. I I'm more on the side of every time these two teams seem to hook up, Saints and Vikings, awesome things happen one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> in some cases, some of the best games we've seen in the NFL's history. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Randy in Cottage Grove. Hey, buddy. 
Happy holidays, Randy. Randy. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on a great season. And uh, we're getting ready to continue it on. And um, I, I, as of course I told you guys last week, I kind of took a little, uh, little time over uh, Christmas to take a break from Christmas and focus on that Packer game. And yeah, how are you doing, man? I mean, you were, uh, you were, you were kind of feeling it. I feel like emotionally last week. I was okay. I. Oh, I mean, it was fine. I mean, you heave cried for like three minutes on the show. No, I'm just, no, just... no. I was, I was passion. Is passion. It was, emo- I was emotion. I was showing emotion and passion. Okay, it's not crying. That's healthy. I what I what I what I learned rewatching that film and and and, and Zim. I know he did because we looked great yesterday. He must have taken a couple of couple of spins at it. Is that uh, we just left a lot a lot of opportunity out there against Green Bay and and thank God we we came at it yesterday and. You know, really put um, put a little more of a signature stamp on on that W. So if you guys can fire up the music, I'll do my my studs table here hmm. uh, for the for the game yesterday against the Chicago Bears. <clears throat> okay, wait a second. Here we go. This is Randy's studs table, Week Seventeen, hmm. Vikings Bears. Uh, Randy. The Vikings, the Vikings, the Vikings lost yesterday. Don't you? Don't you normally just do the stud stable after wins? Excuse me. Uh, this is a stud stable. Who, who am I speaking to? Uh, this is Phil. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat over here. Declan's filling in, producing, and we just usually I, you only do the stud stable after they win, and they got beat by the Bears at home yesterday. No. <laughs> okay. That, first of all, that was a rest game. Okay. That, that was a re- uh, Everybody knows that was a rest game. All the big studs were in, were in the stable already, and a lot of guys yesterday got out there and really showed what they're made of. And you you want to stop them? Stop me from giving them a, giving them their due? That wasn't a loss. I mean, that, uh, nobody looks at the preseason in terms of uh, who, uh, who. What was the final score? That's a technicality. We whooped their ass with our backups. Okay, for most of that game, hmm. Manning. It's hard to disagree with Randy on this. Man, actually, Manning looked looked fantastic. Besides Johnson, Mannion looked certain uh, things. Johnson, I don't know if I would say fantastic. Besides Johnson is a stud. First of all, we shouldn't have cut Slaughter. Okay, Kyle Slaughter is a stud. He, Kyle, if you're still listening, we love you here in Minneapolis, and a lot of us know, know you should have been the best. You can't put Kyle Slaughter in a stud stable in a game that they lost on two teams that he's not even playing for. What, do you, what this, is this? this? Is my, it's my, it's my stable. It's my. St- this stable doesn't even make sense anymore because you. Yeah, I had a flow going, and it's totally off the track. The, the The whole point of the stable is to give a guy some credit and some awards. I was going to give Beside Johnson, Amir Abdullah, Mike Boone, all these guys were going to get credit, and, and, and I was going to hype up the playoffs and, and, and really get it going and, and get people excited around here. And instead, you guys want to act like, like, like this is nothing to celebrate? We, we can't whoop their ass. With our with our second stringers, okay. Look at Green Bay. They go into Detroit with everything to play for, home field possibly, and a bye week. And what do they do? They they, they stink it up, okay. They went into the, the Detroit and they stunk it up, and they think they're going to make a run. <laughs> no chance. And and now they're going to bitch and moan because they got the two seat. You know, careful what you wish for, Green Bay, okay. Because all that means now is you got the NFC Championship right now staring you in the face. You go ahead and win a game, and then you're going to see the purple right there in Lambeau. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking all the way ahead to Lambeau, and I am so stoked to get down there 
and start tailgating three days early. I'm already planning it. We're going to be down there in Lambeau Field for the NFC Championship game. It's going to be rowdy. We're going to be drunk, okay? We're going to get after it, and it is going to be a real, real big-time march through the playoffs. No thanks to people who don't want to lift up and celebrate the guys who helped us get there with a big-time kick-ass game yesterday. I got to admit, I'm sort of Team Randy here. I thought you cut him off early. You like that? Well, I was just saying. He it usually, felt like a preseason game. They were. They did look pretty good against the Bears. But usually know? he only does the stud stable when they win, and they lost. They well, lost. That's a technicality, though. He's sort of right. It's a preseason game. The real team that lost that game? The Bears, because Mitch Trubisky played poorly against the Vikings backups. <laughs> I mean. I think you owe him an apology. I, I He was trying to get the fans revved up. I just I just feel like it's a little bit a little bit hypocritical of him. Yeah. But uh I was, you know, he was going to run through a list of players that I've hadn't heard of till yesterday. <laughs> there were, there were plenty of them. There were a lot there was of, a wide receiver that caught a pass that I 15. Yeah, who's that guy? Number 15, he's good. I would have to look him up. Hmm. Yeah, that guy was uh that guy that, had a, that guy nice, would be in my stuff. some defensive ends who played well too. Yeah. But anyway, so now he's he was crying last week and now he couldn't celebrate. Now that's I hope he's I hope he's aware of the fact that there is a good chance they're not going to get to Green Bay though. I, that's a I mean, assuming that you're going to be there three days early, unless he's going to go to a Packer game that's not you the know, Vikings. After uh, after he heave cried on our show for five minutes last week, I'm just going to let him have this this the Green Bay thing. You're going to let him he's, have he's it. got the wins mapped out to the NFC Championship. I game. feel like we should pull that and play a part of it again to hear him heave crying. It was it was very impressive. Well, they can't they can't even play Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. It'd be the next round, right? Yeah, they they can't. They physically can't. One are you, are you saying that maybe Randy's information was a little off? I, I am saying that about Randy. <laughs> wonder what was uh, influencing that decision. It's a playoff game. I mean, he just meant a playoff game, okay? You guys are so hard on Randy. <laughs> um gentlemen, let's keep it let's keep it here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We're gonna keep it here until the top of the hour. No Rami today, he will be back tomorrow. But um this came across from NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, who mentions that the Dallas Cowboys are expected to, well, not fire because his contract is up. They're just expected to say goodbye to Jason Garrett after the team missed the playoffs. In fact, I just saw a tweet. They are meeting right now. Right now as we speak. Jason Garrett might be gone by the time we get to 5 o'clock. So step one for this scenario is maybe taking place right now. Correct. And this is according to Ian Rappaport. Quote, do we have the audio of this, by the way? We have pro football talk talking about it. Let me read this, and then you play the audio of Mike Florio, because this is juicy, baby. And we'll take more phone calls here, too. Among the coaches the Cowboys likely will target are Baylor's Matt Rule, Oklahoma's Lincoln Riley, former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer, potentially Ron Rivera, who's going to go to Washington for some godforsaken reason, and others. Put nothing past Jerry Jones, however. Even a trade if someone he likes, such as Mike Zimmer, becomes available. Mm. Mm. Let's play Mike Florio. Kubiak, if health reasons would allow him to come back and be a full-time head coach, that's a name I've heard. And also Mike Zimmer, former Cowboys defensive coordinator, who has been the Vikings head coach for six years now. He's got a contract that runs through 2020. And, and it'd be good for Zimmer if something comes of that, because... 
it would force the Vikings to make a decision. Right. You don't want to go into your lame duck season in Minnesota, and if there's an iron that's hot in Dallas, let's strike now. And if the Cowboys are interested, maybe they give the Vikings a draft pick and the Vikings move on. I have no idea that the Vikings would want to, or that they should want to, or where they would go from here. But they're at a decision point. I love this idea. I don't know how valid it is. From which end? From the Vikings' end. Of trading Mike Zimmer because it because because like the conversation we're having here is can you win a Super Bowl with Mike Zimmer? Can you develop your next young quarterback with Mike Zimmer? Are you maximizing Kirk Cousins with Mike Zimmer? I, these are all things that we don't necessarily know, right? Yep. But if someone were to come along, and Mike Zimmer, by the way, is in his sixties too, okay, in yeah. a in a young man's league and a bunch a bunch of Shanahan's running around and Sean McVay's and Matt Lafleur's and Kevin like, Stefanski's, maybe. right? Sure. Yep. But if someone, if someone, if if the decision is, hey, you can either keep Mike Zimmer or just flat say goodbye to him and then roll the dice with the next guy, that's a really hard decision. But if the decision is, hey, someone's going to give you a second or a third round pick and you can just find your next coach, whether it's Kevin Stefanski or Mike McCarthy or whoever it may be, mm-hmm. doesn't that make the landing a lot softer? I mean, wouldn't you, like I would instantly, if it was a second or a third round pick for Mike Zimmer to go to the Cowboys, to me, that is a no-brainer. Does this, you take it if you're the Vikings. Does this also not sound like a classic Jerry Jones move? And Jones, now Zimmer was an assistant in Dallas from, I think it was 94 through 2006. And I want to say at some point in time, he, he became the uh, defensive coordinator there. He and Jerry Jones, are I think, are buddies. And it makes some sense, too, because the college names that you read all strike me as guys who are going to come in and want personnel say, right? Want control. Ur- Urban Meyer is not taking a job unless he's also basically the GM. And if the team wins, guess what? All praise Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zimmer cares about that stuff. And he, he would happily let Jerry and Jones Jerry, and his entire family pick the roster, and, right? And well, he, give me give me a quarterback in the tell, first round every year, and I'll be good. He would tell them what he wants, but he would never try and be the guy to take credit for it. The point being is a, a guy like Rappaport. I don't think sits there and thinks to himself, what can I make up today? What can I, what reckless speculation can I make up? No, I'm not, I'm not saying this doesn't stretch things a bit, but for two people in the media to have mentioned this, somebody from Dallas, it's got to be from Dallas, is talking about this. And the more I think about it, it makes sense. Mike's got the year left on his contract here, so the trade makes sense. And let's say they come and they say, okay, you know what? You're going to go with Guy Z. You like this coach more. We'll give you a second-round pick or something. Let's say it's a second-round pick. Let's say it's a third-round pick. You're at least intrigued if you're the Vikings, right? So if it's a second-round second pick and you're Rick Spielman, I'm in. Are you in? Third-round pick, second-round pick. I'm thinking long and hard about it, and if I go to Mike and Mike's like, I would love to go to Dallas, I like Dallas, I like Jerry, it would make me happy. I think I'd do it. Yeah. Who was it last week? I, I want to give proper credit. Um, might have been. Uh, now it depends. I, now it does depend on my next move as well, and and it also depends on. And this is the question I don't know. Do the Wilfs still see Spielman as the guy for sure? That I don't know. Or are they at some point in time going to say, "Yeah, dude, you know the Cousins thing we thought was going to work and it didn't work, and now we're and now we're thinking of going in a different d- direction." There, that that would be my question. I need to know what the thought process is as to what the succession plan is. Yeah, well, there is. I think that's incredibly important to me. There's a little bit of a late '90s Buccaneers feel, and I can't remember if it was a caller that brought that up 
when we were doing our uh, Christmas Eve show this last week, where you, Tony Dungy has you going in the right direction. You're going to the playoffs and your defense first, and you just can't get over that hump. And everyone just kind of agrees that hey, this has been a great thing. It's awesome, but there's a John Gruden over here that, uh, and that was that was a case of the, the the Vikings being the Buccaneers. That would be the case of like the Vikings trading for a coach. I've and we're talking tra- about the other way. I've around. got that trade by by the the way that trade was was they traded him to Tampa Bay. Oakland did. Al Davis did. First round pick in two thousand two. First round pick in two thousand three. Second round pick in two thousand four. And then the Buccaneers threw in $8 million in cash. Wait, so the, so the Buccaneers gave up multiple first-round picks. Yes. And Think about if you're wrong about and that, $8 man. million. Dollars. And they were right. They won a Super Bowl. I know. So 651-646-8255. So that's a question on the table, too. Would you trade Mike Zimmer to the Cowboys? Or what would you need to see on Sunday, one way or the other, to make you feel like, yep, he's still the coach that you can ride forward with? Or, nope, got to try something different, whether it's Kevin Stefanski or... Somebody else. Let's go to uh, Dave in South Carolina. Hey, buddy. You're on Mackie and Judd with Rami. What's going on, man? It wasn't you that brought up the Buccaneers last week, was it? Yes, it was. There it was. was See, look, that. At that, look at that timing right there. It's amazing. You're good, yeah, Dave. That's awesome, Phil. Hey, and I you know, I have, I have to call twice a day now because you guys um, do such a good job and have me so have me so interested and, uh, and share my passion, frustration, I think, and disappointment, as Judd said. So, Phil, I love you, man. I, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I see your, I feel the positivity. But let me answer your question for you as best I can. I think what needs to happen, and I told Judd this earlier today, is you know I didn't I didn't mention this, but it reminds me of the '87 Vikings. You kind of remember um, backing into the playoffs, right? And uh, the strike year, and then winning three, you know, winning this two, and then losing the championship game. Uh, this team has the ability to do that. But here's what I'm pulling for at this point, because um, I want change. Because I think that we're never going to get to another level unless we um, put this thing in the lab and, and diagnose it and, and move move on. So my my feeling is this: if we win, you know, I'll be calling you. I'll be I'll be fired up. I'll be ready to go uh, to San Francisco. And by the way, there is a possibility uh, if you beat the one seed, the two seed still remains in Green Bay. Um, the gentleman earlier was right. You could end up playing a championship game uh, at Green Bay. But the, the larger point I'm trying to make, guys, is that I don't want to pull for a point spread game where we, we hang in there and we lose by 7, 10, 14. Uh, let's get drugged. Uh, let's get whipped. Wow. Uh, let's wow. get just Dave, you're there. You're there right now. You are, you are at the point where you are actively rooting for the Saints to beat the Vikings by 30 points. That's where you're at right Phil, now. Well, and Phil, I said this last week, and you told me you understood, and I hope you still do. I was actually pulling for this matchup uh, over those you know hours of give and take with all these games. Uh, and think about this. I just want to make this point. Think about how devastating it would have been to be a Vikings fan, have won these last two, have been watching that Detroit game, which I've talked about all these weeks, right? Um, and and then to then see them win it at the end, and then you're you're still in the same spot. So my point is, we're in this constant minutiae. I know people can feel it. I know Judd, Judd and I are on the same page. I don't like the idea of, of losing a good coach, but I'm, I'm honest about the fact, guys, that something has to give and change. Uh, I would love to pilfer Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for once, um, number one. Number two, 
I think it is time. And let's not forget. I know Jack, I can't I can't stay on too long, but you guys have talked about what do you do in the process. Let's not forget this organization is set up pretty well. There's a lot of good talent. I think if you ask coaches and say, where do you want to go? Let's be honest. I think a lot of them would say, minus the quarterback, of all these jobs that would be available, I think it would be the Vikings. And I think, number two, you've got guys like George Payton in place. He's never went anywhere else. And I don't think guys would be happy to take somebody else's job. But I do think that there is some 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 systematic stability in there that if you made a move like this, I don't think you'd have to change a lot. The players may not like it, but guess what? So what? You know, if you, yeah. if you need a different approach and a different mentality to get over the hump, that might be what it takes. And here's my problem, my last point. When things get rough, as it did the other night, right, and I've, you know, I've been positivity all year long, the porcelain response of this team um, to that, you know, you see your quarterback, right? We know it, right? Bad Kirk, and we see it happen. They just seem to lose all air. Um, think about it with uh, Thielen's response to the night. I can only control what I can control. I still think there's a lot of stuff underneath the surface yeah. there. And I just think, guys, that I, I'm really hoping that they come out, shock the world, win this game. I'll be calling you three times a day. <laughs> I'll be pumped up and excited because I want to see the I want to see the narrative change. But man, I've been going to games since '76, guys, and and I just got to tell you. I've had it. I, I just want a different focus. The stadiums were built. The bar has been set. And you've got to get to that point or you're going to get left behind. Do I think it's Stefanski? I don't know. But I think there's enough structure in your organization, uh, unlike years ago, that they could make a change like this. Maybe a different eye sees the talent differently. Do you guys follow me? Sure. And maybe it works better. Dave, I, I just, thank you. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Thank you yeah. so much for being a great caller on this show. How about Dave there? That's a I I I said that that I actually did the same thing that you did this morning on Ventline. I stopped him and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" So you're saying this just to be clear, yeah. because that's a diehard fan. Well, let's let's let me give you another sort of uh, comparison point. The 1990s Vikings up until 1998. There's a similar feel now. Now that decade included annual playoff runs except for like 1995 was the only year in right. the 90s uh starting in 1992 that they didn't go to the playoffs yep. now I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go through the denny green era here because the question we're really wrestling with is can you win a super bowl with mike zimmer right or yeah. can you win a super bowl with the current setup of the organization yeah and can you get to one yeah if they get beat on sunday by the saints you're sitting in a very similar spot i think to where the 1997 vikings were sitting Mm-hmm. It's a little bit apples to oranges, but in the early '90s, the Vikings eight and eight, eleven and five, nine and seven, ten and six, eight and eight, nine and seven, nine and seven, and a bunch of one and done playoff appearances. They did in 1997 in one of the more underrated. This could be a rewind episode. One of the more underrated and uh, least remembered games, I think, relative to its prominence. The Vikings scored like ten points or something in the last minute and a half. At the, at the Meadowlands to beat the Giants. Yes. Onside kick was successful. Yes. But then they got smoked the next week by the 49ers or somebody. But right? if Denny had lost that game to the Giants, which it looked like he was going to do, there was a lot of people who expected he would be fired. Yeah. And so, so that's so the same parallel. Kind of the same thing where you've got, you're really good for yep. a long time and your basement is like seven and nine and you're just wrestling with, 
ah, oh, man, like, is there is there something we can do? Is there a player that you can add to this mix to get to the next level? And in 1998, the answer was emphatically yes. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss joins the 1998 Vikings, and they go from a 9-7 and team that really had no chance to win. Like, they were, they were just going to be a really formidably good team with no chance to win the Super Bowl to a team that is probably the best team to not win a Super Bowl in the history of the NFL. Is there a player that you can add to this realistically as you draft later in the first round that gets this from ten and six, eleven and five, and maybe a one and done, or maybe you get you know you get lucky and you beat the Saints or something? And I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of who that player would be. It's I don't think it's a wide receiver. I don't think it's a running back because you have those. No, right? it's probably, is it, it's probably a quarterback it, right is now. Is it Joe Burrow? And how do you get him? Right? Is it Tua with a better hit? You know who and, I want. and how do you get him? Huge man crush right now, Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to get him, but uh, I, I you can't get him until next year. Anyway. Exactly right, but I think that this kid is the best. He he's the best quarterback prospect I've seen since Luck. He's that good. Like this is two consecutive playoffs where he's so cool, it's frightening. Um, but it's probably a quarterback, and and I don't know if I don't know if you can get that player because the Vikings aren't going to be that bad. Moss would the Moss thing was no pun intended a freak. Because he just fell. He kept falling. Because, oh, no, we're worried about his off-the-field stuff. And Green finally said, okay, that's fine. I'll take him. But you're not going to almost certainly get that. And so so the parallels between the -the on-the-field frustrations and the fan base, I think, are very similar between what Denny had and what Mike has now. The problem is I don't know that there's the parallel of getting that guy. And so and so now the question becomes and I think this is where it gets really intriguing. Now to me the question becomes are you going to stick with the current coach and GM and have them hitch their wagon to Kirk Cousins or are you going to trust them to say yeah, you know Kirk Kirk at the time was the best thing that we could get, but it's not going to work and ultimately we're going to go in a different direction. And then here here's my biggest question and here's my biggest personal concern about Zimmer. If you're going to go draft a quarterback and develop said quarterback and, and I, I know that Mike wouldn't be the developmental guy there. It, it would be the Kubiaks and Stefanskis and those guys or Shermer of the world. But do you want Mike to be the guy who has to show patience there? But Mike is like you are the I know you're not the hands-on everyday guy but but I think I think you almost have to be if you're But in you that see role. my point, right? Like do you want yeah. if if you're going to go draft your guy Tua and you like Tua and and he's going to sit behind Cousins in 2020 but ultimately he is the the guy and after 2020 Kirk Cousins is going to walk away. Do you think that crusty old Zim is the guy to say Tua we all we got plenty of time here. This is going to work out great. Or is he going to say Damn it, why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we winning right now? And that that's where the conversation turns a corner where I can start to get my head around being, not slightly, very concerned. Yeah. Because, you know what? We can all say, athletes today, Phil Mackey, should toughen up. They should be tough. And we can have that conversation. And you know what? We might be partially justified. Guess what? It don't matter. So, yeah. so if you get Tua and you got a guy that's that says, "How could you throw that pass? That's awful." That what are we doing out there? And Tua's like, "Oh, oh, okay, that's not cool. I don't know what's going on here." And now you've gotten to a place where it's uncomfortable. Do you accept that, or do or do you say we need to have a very defined plan here of who we think is the best boss? And I mean yeah. boss, CEO, to develop a guy like Tua. Yeah, there there would probably have to be an evolution for Mike Zimmer, right? But there's and there's and there's a couple examples if. Yeah. It's up to him. It would be up to him. 
Because there's a couple great examples in the NFL right now of guys who aren't that much younger than Mike Zimmer, maybe a couple years younger. Uh, Joel John Harbaugh is one of them. John Harbaugh is almost sixty years old. Looks great for being almost sixty years and old. He's by the way, an unbelievable coach. He is, and he has evolved two or three different times as they've gone from Joe Flacco to uh, Lamar Jackson, as they've brought an analytics coach to sit in his hip pocket on the sidelines. And John Harbaugh clearly has a great relationship with Lamar Jackson and is very hands on in the molding of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but John Harbaugh was a special teams assistant and a special teams coordinator. Before he got a head coaching job, it wasn't like John Harbaugh had this background for 20 years in molding quarterbacks, right? No. He's just a great, empowering, open-minded leader. Mm-hmm. And I think Mike Zimmer has a lot of great leadership qualities as well. Patience is not necessarily one of them. And does he have that one? And does he, ha- does he have, does it, you know, depending on who you draft, I mean, if it's, a, if it's more of a traditional pocket passer, then maybe it fits better with a Mike Zimmer. But if it's a Tua, and we're talking about mobility and... And he fits more into the category of some of the young quarterbacks we see around the NFL. Do you have the mindset and the ability to innovate to, to potentially change everything you do offensively? Because if like let's like we're going down this path now, but let's say you find a way to draft Tua mm-hmm. and Mike Zimmer is your coach. Mm-hmm. Is Gary Kubiak and I mean is Gary Kubiak like going to try and shoehorn Tua into what he wants to do, or is Gary Kubiak not the right guy to be your offensive? Lean on guru, right? I mean, those are like these are the these are the conversations they that all have, have to be flushed out. And I I think the most important starting point for the conversation is: Do they all have the necessary patience? Do they all have? You have to if you make that investment, you have to develop the kid. And, and now where Mike does get credit is Teddy. He loved the kid, mm-hmm. and that absolutely I think uh, until Teddy um, broke his knee. That was going to work, right? But I guess that becomes my question of of B, because I think I think the answer to your question, no doubt about it, is when you say is that guy out there in 2020? That guy has to be, I think, a QB, right? Like that, like yeah. you can go get Who's, great. Who, is there a player that can get you to a Super Bowl level if you yeah. add him? Like, but right, I don't think that's Randy like Moss. Randy Moss now. It's a quarterback. It's a yeah. That's the one position. Or is it like a is it like a Khalil Mack in his prime? Pass rushing, I don't freak even, linebacker. That guy's great to have. I don't think that's the guy, though. I think that I think now, without a doubt, the answer is one position quarterback. Yeah. The other guy that I would throw in that mix as a head coach that was that multiple times throughout his Andy Reid. Yes, he's done great. Andy Reid's in the sixties, and Andy Reid has been able to connect with young quarterbacks throughout his entire coaching career. Yep. Now he's more known as a quarterback molder for twenty five, thirty years. Uh, so a little bit of a different path than a John Harbaugh, but yeah, these are all. These are all fun discussions to be had, and we uh, we can keep the phone lines open here, too. 651-646-8255. Let's go to Mark in Florida. You're on with Mackie, Judd, Hello. and Robbie. Good evening, folks. Well, I was at the first Viking game in 1961. Nice. I have sat through four Super Bowl losses, which you younger fans have no idea what that was like. Yeah. <laughs> amen. They were amen. horrific. I attended the last one at Pasadena in 1977. The Vikings are <clears throat> the heartbreak kids. Listen, if this Dallas deal is for real, I would do that in a heartbeat. What more do you need to see from Zimmer? It's been six years. He, he has, this is it. This is all you're going to get from Zimmer. He has no clue on offense. The defense now is not that good, by the way. 
let's make a move. Let's get a new GM. Let's get a new coach. The Wolves, I think, are nice people, but they're not that bright with football <laughs> knowledge. They're fans. I, That's okay. Yeah, they don't yeah, have to be. They're fans. Yeah, they're fans. They're fans. They're rich fans. Uh-huh. They have no clue otherwise. Let's face the facts. I've known lots of guys like this. I worked for them. Yeah, I so, think, well, hold on, Mark. I think, I, let me twist what you're saying around this. I think it's less about what more do you need to see from Mike Zimmer. And a lot of people would say, well, I mean, let's give him a shot here to make some noise in the playoffs. And I, I think he deserves that. But uh, but let's say you get beat by the Saints. Uh, to answer your question or to flip it around, it's less about what more do you need to see from Mike Zimmer. And it's about what else is out there and how sure are you that the hot coordinator candidate at one point, Leslie Frazier and Brad Childress were hot oh, coordinator dude. candidates. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot more of those dudes out there. Or Pat Shermer. I would take my chances with Kubiak over Zimmer right now. I would take Mike McCarthy over Zimmer right now. They're offensive-minded people. And that's what you need in the NFL now. Let's face it. I mean, New Orleans gives up lots of points, but they win the game 48-45. to 45. Got a quarterback, yeah. It's yep. not going to happen with Zimmer. Yeah, thank you for the phone call, Mark. Let's let's squeeze in one more here before we get to the top of the hour. We're we're popular in SEC country today. Dave in Gainesville, Florida. You're on score oh, North. I'm a Tom Petty. Nice. Hey, Gainesville, Florida. Go Gators, baby. We're playing tonight. <laughs> hey, uh, on a serious note, Happy New Year to uh, Phil and Mackey. And Judd, too. <laughs> I like it. Uh, very good. Very, very that's good. That's very inside. We appreciate nice it, Nice call back there. Hey, um, so here's the deal. You guys are out of your mind if you want to get rid of Zimmer. It, it, whether you think he coaches right or not, he steadily moved this program forward every year. Mm-hmm. He had North Turner. He left. He went to Carolina. Gosh, look what's happened there. They've blown that up. That didn't, North didn't help them. He brought in Shermer. That guy knew what he was doing. They went to the NFC Championship game with a third-string quarterback. Filippo was a bad hire. He went to Jacksonville. He tanked there, too. All right. Stefanski's a young guy that, you know, how good is the play calling? I don't know. I thought something curious that, that nobody picked up on in Kirk Cousins' interview after the, the bad Monday night loss against the Packers was he said, look, coaches coach, players play. I went out there and executed the plays that were called. Okay. So if Stefanski gets a head coaching offer, and he leaves, and we can bring Shermer back, wonderful. Zim, if you guys think the grass is always greener on the other side, you're crazy. Zimmer's a great coach. As far as the playoff game goes, I think we'd all agree. Judge, you've said this all the time. It, Kirk Cousins in these big games, it's in his head, right? We know he's an intelligent guy. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yes, thinks so too much he, probably. He, he, he just needs to get over the hump. He's smart enough to know I can't even believe in myself because I haven't proven this to myself yet in one of these big games. I think he has all the ability in the world. We all see it. He needs to win one of these big games to turn his whole narrative around, and he'll actually believe in himself that he can pull it off, and I think it'll change his whole career. The question is, is he going to have the mental ability to actually pull one of these games off? Because I think if he does, it changes everything. And I'd like to be on the right side of that if it happens. Yeah, Dave, that's a great phone call. Thank you. And two things. I agree. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. And that's why this is a proceed with caution discussion about the future of the Vikings. It Absolutely. very much is. Absolutely. And we are not just saying. That's what we're saying. Yeah. It, it, the, the, all of this 
is it's it's there's there's the the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Kirk Cousins conversation running parallel to you don't know what's behind door number two, and we are fully acknowledging that. Um, on the Kirk Cousins front, getting over the hump, yeah. Do I think it helps to have reference points if you've won two or three big games in your life in your career and you've got a couple big playoff victories, like when Tom Brady notches a couple huge playoff victories early in his career. It helps him become Tom Brady, right? Of course. Now, also, like he wins those games because he's Tom Brady too. So there's it, you know, chicken and the egg. But Kirk Cousins is 30 years old, and at some point, you're just not capable of winning those games, right? So prove us all wrong. And on what Sunday. are the reference points right now? He doesn't have like any. the definite ones. He doesn't have any. <laughs> you, you have to build them. And he's 30. And since he <laughs> and since he got here, they're they're barely what the, the game at Philadelphia last year. The Rams game, we gave him credit for because statistically he had an impressive game, but they lost. Yeah, Green Bay week two, right? 2018, same type of deal. So, yeah, that's the problem is is he's not in his second or third year now. He's well into a career, and you put, I don't even want to say huge games, big games in front of him, and there's always some type of blip, or there seems to be. Yeah, And that doesn't mean the stats are bad, but it is, and I think this goes back for both of us to maybe the Kansas City loss. We both said there's nothing stopping you from like having a good quarter where you where where the fans are like, oh wow, you just did that. Seattle last drive, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing stopping you from if, if Russell Wilson and I'm not trying to say that in that game he beats the Vikings, but if the shoes are flipped there and Russell Wilson gets that ball late fourth quarter and the game is here, I don't think they're going six plays and out or something. I think they're going down the the field, and it might come up short like it did last night for him, but he gets down the field. Correct. And you're like, that's Russell Wilson. Yes. Uh, somebody, I saw somebody last night, a couple people tweeting things about, like Vikings fans tweeting things about, boy, if Kirk Cousins would have botched a situation or a drive like Russell Wilson did last night, imagine how people would be piling on Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yeah, Russell Wilson deserves criticism for how screwed up things got at the end there and the delay of game penalty. Absolutely. But you know why people don't pile on Russell Wilson the way that they pile on Kirk Cousins? Because he's built up a lot of reference points, like a Super Bowl championship and an appearance in the Super Bowl. And he usually wins games like that down the stretch. And so when he goofs up, he doesn't deserve the same criticism as a guy who never comes through in those moments. You know? Absolutely. It's up to you if you want to change the narrative. So let's let's keep the question bouncing around. If if if, if people want to call in here, six five one six four six eight two five five. How much should this game on Sunday matter for the futures of Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings? Six five one six four six eight two five five. Also, uh, let's go through some of Judd's favorite "what if" Minnesota sports scenarios of the past decade, and we might even hear from Charles Robinson, who had some interesting things to report about Mike Zimmer's future, but. Uh, with Black Monday, he's kind of 50-50, so we're hoping to be joined by him in the 5 o'clock hour. Score North Download, Mackie and Judd will unlock. You just heard a full hour of uninterrupted football discussion from you, the listeners. The Vikings and Saints coming up, a lot to be had. But it is Black Monday, meaning there are numerous coaches who are out. Here's who we know who is out so far. Pat Shermer is out in New York, unfortunately. Poor Pat Shermer. I really think he's gotten a bad bad deal there. He's probably been in two of the worst situations of the last, what, 10 years? Right. Browns. Yeah. And Freddie Kitchens is out in Cleveland, uh, much to the happiness of Danny Cunningham, who I heard was running down the streets of Uptown, streaking naked in uh, excitement. 
I can't confirm or deny. I just heard what my sources have been telling me. Uh, also, a few other coaches were obviously out of jobs midseason. That was Ron Rivera. He got canned in Carolina, but he's taken the job in Washington. Jay Gruden got fired in Washington about, uh, what, six, seven weeks into the season. So Ron Rivera going from Carolina to Washington. Good luck, Ron Rivera. Uh, in there. Bruce Allen, the general manager of the Washington Redskins, he is also out. And then a couple other coaches who declared are safe for this season in Adam Gase of the Lions, of the Jets, excuse me, Matt Patricia of the Lions, Dan Quinn of the Falcons, but it sounds like they will be on very, very thin ice starting in the 2020 season. It wouldn't shock me at all to see them possibly out of a job by week five or six in the NFL. Yeah. Thanks, but, Declan. Yeah, it's your score north download. I don't get how don't, those three kept their job. I don't get like if you're Gates is a bad hire. Okay, if you if you already feel right now like, boy, we're, we're gonna bring you back, but if you sneeze the wrong way, we're gonna we're gonna pull the plug. We'll just do it now. Yeah, just go find a better coach now. Doesn't make any sense. The, the whole thing's weird. Let's uh let's sprinkle some of these. We also have Carl Anthony Towns buzz to get to here in a second. But <laughs> oh, it's buzz. But all right. I know you've been thinking about but Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. Rami back tomorrow, uh, and then we'll be back at full strength as a show later in the week. But um, you've been thinking for the last couple weeks, as we are at the end of a decade here now, and we are moving into the 2020s, the Roaring Twenties again. You've been thinking about what if Minnesota sports scenarios of the past decade, and I just want you to get, let's sprinkle these in throughout the rest of the week. But give me like one juicy one, okay, that you like the most. Okay, so we actually debuted this on Ventline what a week and a half ago or so, and did a bunch of Vikings ones. But I'm going to give you a Twins one. Near and dear to your heart, Phil Mackey. Oh, boy. And it's a big what if. And it would have changed. It might have changed the course of the 2010s for the franchise, if not entirely, drastically. And it's very simple. And we've talked about it before. What if Terry Ryan had pulled the trigger on the deal with the Mariners to obtain Cliff Lee in 2010, in July of 2010, before the deadline, which would have required the somewhat difficult decision of giving up Aaron Hicks, who obviously, as far as a prospect with the Twins, went flamed out very quickly and uh, probably unnecessarily and sadly as well before being traded for John Ryan Murphy. But what if the Twins had gone all in with what was a pretty good team that could have used an ace pitcher, Cliff Lee at that time, was very good. Boy, it's a great one. I like that one a lot because. It's, and how much does that change the rest of the 2010s then? Well, your so I believe your pitching matchups would have been because you you started Francisco Liriano in Game One, and he and he was really good that year. He wasn't he wasn't the 2006 Liriano that was the best pitcher in baseball, but he had kind of regained his old form to like you know 85 percent of what he used to be in 2010, and you had him up against CC Sabathia in Game One of that series. And uh, you got beat. You got beat at home. And then Andy Pettit beat you in game two, Carl Pavano. And you had no chance with Brian Dunsing. I love him, but like no chance in game three with Brian Dunsing on the mound. So here's what the matchups would have been Cliff Lee likely faces CC Sabathia in game one. Uh, you only lost that game six to four. Do you win that game one? The in- I mean, you give yourself a very good chance. I think you probably win game one. <laughs> yes. Because Liriano went, I found it here. Liriano went five and two thirds, put nine guys on base, and gave up four earned runs. And if I remember correctly, it was Curtis Granderson that knocked a triple off the facing of the limestone mm-hmm. to break that game wide open. So if you put Cliff Lee in game one and you win it, and now all of a sudden you got Leary at the lefties. Liriano and Andy Pettit are facing each other. And Liriano, not as much pressure. You're already up one game, it's not game one. 
Maybe he goes. They're back all pitching the, where they probably belong. Exactly where they belong. Or you put, or you maybe maybe Pavano pitches that game, and then it's Liriano against Phil Hughes in Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's Phil Hughes, Andy Pettit, CC Sabathia lined up against. Did you win that series? Cliff Lee. Do you win that series if you have Cliff Lee? You for sure win a game and then get to use Cliff Lee again. So possibly because you probably you you would use Cliff Lee in the same way that that. Uh, other, like who are some other examples? Like CC Sabathia with the Brewers that one time, where they just pitched him like three, three, yeah, because they weren't going to keep him. They yeah. didn't care. I think you would have rode him into the ground. I don't know if I can guarantee that you win that series, though. I don't know if that's enough. I just don't know. But it's a really fun one because it would have, it would have, it would have made the Twins one of the best teams going into the playoffs. And I think the fact that you had to start Brian Dunsing in Game Three just is like, well, that's exactly what they did this year. They had they had Randy Dobnak pitching in Game Three. Was that the beginning? Was the refusal to make that deal the beginning of the end of, I, I hate to use the phrase, but I guess it's ap- appropriate, the Twins way? Because, I mean, the Twins from two, the Twins in the 2000s, the odds, did a lot of things really very, very well, like impressively well. We, we, we came to mock that phrase, but there was a time where a lot of people in baseball, I think rightfully so, had a lot of respect for how Ryan and Bill Smith went about things. Was that refusal to make that deal sort of the start of the missteps of of what became the 2010s and uh, eventually uh, Terry's demise's chief executive? I actually think so. The 2010 Twins as a whole were, were sort of a deviation from the Twins' way because the Twins' way was all about small ball and bunting guys over, right? And and you know pitching to contact, which was still a thing for them in 2010, but. That offense was more of a station-to-station, three-run homer offense. I mean, like J.J. Hardy was one of the slowest-footed runners in baseball. He was your shortstop. Orlando Hudson was not a big base dealer. He was your second baseman. Yeah, uh, You had plotting corner outfielders and Delman Young and Michael Kadire and Jason Kubel. So you really you were, you were already sort of deviating from the old Twins way in 2010, but they still needed one more ace starting pitcher, and they didn't get it. Let me throw one at you real quick, and we'll okay. get to this Carl Anthony Towns thing. The 2011 NFL draft. What if the Vikings don't draft Christian Ponder in 2011? And uh, let's say instead they go into the second round and they draft either Andy Dalton. Mm -hmm. Was Colin Kaepernick in that draft too? Yes. Or Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, they went back to back. Let's say they get a better quarterback. A better quarterback with a uh, later pick. <sighs> because he, where I'm getting at here is in 2012. Right. I'm trying to think of how it would have in, altered things. Let's, let's make it Kaepernick. Because in 2012. I was going to say, Dal- man, Dalton Dalton will go down as one of the most double-edged sword players of all time, won't he? Because the Bengals were just good enough to tease you for a long but time. But like for the first five years, he was like he was, he was good. That team was good. Yeah. Better than Christian Ponder. But Kyle, let's let's use Colin Kaepernick because what I'm really getting at here is in 2012, mm-hmm. you went to the playoffs. Ponder was terrible, got hurt, and Joe Webb was your backup. Let's say you had a fully stocked, healthy Colin Kaepernick playing in that game because that's the year that okay. the San Francisco 49ers. Here's my next question: How can I assume that that Bill Musgrave and company w- would have used Kaepernick correctly and not been like, "I oh, just go out there and pass the ball"? Because you know what, to Joe Webb's Everlasting credit, I will say this. When Ponder couldn't play in the playoff game in Green Bay, and that first series, as I recall, they basically did did 
read option stuff. It was very smart. And they moved down the field and kicked a field goal. And we all said, whoa, this we didn't see this. This is really, really smart. And then starting with the second series, if I recall correctly, yeah. Muskie's like, okay, the, we used those plays. Now let's go back to the ponder yeah. offense. So I don't know that given the structure of how things worked and those in charge that you drastically alter the framework of things because I don't know that your offensive coordinator would have had a lot more success there. And it's funny because... The, no, it's not like the luck draft where if you had got it just lost two more games and gotten luck, yeah. I, I, think, I think that you're in a Super Bowl by now and the course of your franchise is altered greatly. I believe it was the very next week that the Colin Kaepernick 49ers... Didn't Colin run for a yes. million yards against Green Bay, and they just destroyed the, the Packers? Yes, they did. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think... Uh, so, I don't know that it would have been... I don't know that that those Vikings, if they had taken Kaepernick or Dalton, would have altered things greatly. And Dalton scares me, because I I could have seen about four or five years, to your point about Dalton, of being like, this guy's pretty good. Like, Let's just keep him. Let's just keep him. Yeah. And then he's Andy Dalton, and he's not bad, but he's also... The Cincinnati Bengals, if there's if there's a team that should scare the Vikings right now as far as success goes, but it doesn't pay off, you don't get that payoff, it's those Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. Those Bengals for so long teased you, and every year you thought this is the year. So if you guys have, if you if listeners out there, if you have some fun what-if Minnesota sports moments of the past decade, tweet them at us. At Jay Zolgad, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting. But some stuff coming out over the last few days... Reckless speculation about Carl Anthony Towns. I'm going to start with this anecdote from The Athletic. There was also a, a, a piece written on the New York Post website about the Knicks and trade whispers, the Knicks looking for a superstar like Carl Anthony Towns. But this is from The Athletic. Every plausible team is keyed in on Milwaukee's Giannis Antetokounmpo, whose future may be determined by whatever happens in these upcoming playoffs. The Warriors have been monitoring Carl Anthony Towns' situation in Minnesota. He's under contract until 2024, but has less reason than Giannis to be thrilled with his team's trajectory because Giannis can win a title, possibly. Right. I mean, Towns is sitting on this terrible team right now. Uh, That was a topic among multiple team executives at the recent G League showcase with a few relaying word at the showcase that Towns is unhappy in Minnesota. The Wolves currently sit 13th in the Western Conference, two spots ahead of the gap year Warriors, looking at another lost season. While the Wolves might dream of a scenario where Russell, uh, D'Angelo Russell, teams up with his good friend Carl Anthony Towns, the Warriors have a different view on how that might play out. Meaning, oh, they'll play together. But Carl's going to play in California. Yes. So That was not lost on me when I read that today. That's interesting. Reckless speculation. And I'll tell you, if they can't make this work with Carl Anthony Towns, you can, I, I will be done with the franchise. Like, I am the last, I feel like I've been holding on all throughout these garbage 15 years. And if you can't make it work with KG, and then you have, to, you burn the bridge with Kevin Love as bad as you did. And if on the doorstep of, like, you literally just signed Carl Anthony Towns to a five year max extension. And you've got his guy at coach. And you've got a system that empowers him offensively, okay? Yep. And he's still pretty much a train wreck defensively. But he's he's one of the top players in the NBA. If you can't keep him happy and keep him here, I don't know what, like, what do you, what is the hope? What are you supposed to be looking forward to as a Timberwolves fan or the organization? If this guy wants out, if this is true, 
and I don't know that it's true. I'm guessing he's probably a little frustrated with how the season's playing out, but you can burn the franchise to the ground if that happens. So, all right. So here's here's my, my um, spin on this. First of all, the Knicks are a non-starter. Like this whole Knicks thing, this is the second time that, that in the past week the Post has tried to link Towns because he's from Jersey and grew up a Knicks fan, and I think his dad had a tryout with the Knicks or something at, at one time. The New York Knicks, you're not if you if you are sitting in Minneapolis right now thinking, man, our, my franchise stinks. You're not thinking to yourself, you know what franchise I really want to go to? One owned by uh, the Dolans, the Knicks. They're great. No, you might be thinking Nets. You might be thinking Golden State makes more sense. But the other thing that I would encourage as somebody who certainly wouldn't consider myself to be passionate about the Wolves, too, is the fact that, one, when it comes to Towns, as far as I can tell, and there are certain people, i.e. Patrick Royce, who would probably say they've gone too far, they're doing everything they possibly can to keep him satisfied right now. Like, the Tibbs thing is done. That's gone. They are they are probably bending over backwards too much to make Towns happy, but in this era of pro sports that might not be a bad idea the other thing is we knew this was going to be a terrible year like the start was the start was surprising and if you're a wolves fan it might have been fun but i keep saying this you if you went to target center right now and walked into gerson's office and you sat down and closed the door and he liked you and he's going to tell you the truth bill you really think Gerson would be like, oh, I can't believe how this is disintegrated on. I. They knew this was going, I yeah. think, they knew that there was a high probability. They've got a young coach. They've got a core that's got a couple of players, but they have Starting so, hot was bad for them. And like, they've got, how, yeah. and how many pieces, and we, we talked about this when they were going through training camp, Phil. How many pieces to their personnel puzzle don't fit the puzzle? We talked about that before they ever played a game. Yeah. They're trying to play a system, and they are intent on, right or wrong, they're intent on playing a system that doesn't fit the majority of guys that they've got. So I find it hard to believe that anybody who has clout right now with that team is saying, can't believe this. Yeah, and I and I would think if you're Carl Anthony Towns, let's, okay, let's entertain this for a second, that, hey, there's legitimate buzz, and there's, where there's smoke, there's fire, that he's unhappy well, I could I could see how he would be unhappy when Tom Thibodeau was here, but then that, like you said, that got put to bed. And then all of the talk, unless Towns was just flat lying publicly in the weeks leading up to the season, right? He talked about how much he loved Ryan Saunders and how much he loves the new system and how bought in he is. And he even didn't he even organize an off season trip yeah, like, for all the what's team it, the Cabo trip or whatever. Yeah, like is. so he's organizing all these things. Yeah. So you're telling me that. From the start of the regular season to now, in a year in which I think even he knew, all right, not quite ready to rock and roll in this loaded Western Conference, you know, that that, that, that the last three months have been the difference somehow, unless there's just been a complete erosion of his relationship with Ryan Saunders. Which I can't imagine. I, now, now, the one thing that I won't d- dismiss that could be in the process of happening or could happen at some point is if his friends say, dude, get out of there. Come to Golden State. Yeah. Like, I, I could see that. Totally. Um, but I don't think that he has said, man, I really thought that this would turn around in 2019-20, and now I'm disappointed, and I want out. I don't buy that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Something to keep an eye on. Danny Cunningham has a great piece illustrating the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves without him on scorenorth.com. And uh, some of the numbers in there are eye-popping. Scorenorth.com. Go check out 
Danny's work there. When we come back, our guy Charles Robinson, friend of the show from Yahoo Sports, one of the most plugged-in NFL insiders you're going to find, and he has a juicy nugget about how much this game matters for Mike Zimmer's immediate future, this game against the Saints on Sunday. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North app. First time to talk to my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh Direct, 952-925-5608, or listening to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. A lot of traders are still on, on vacation, so when there is lighter than normal trading, expect a lot of volatility, and the volatility today was on the downside. Uh, as many prof many traders took some profits ahead of the new year, so maybe that was a, a little bit trying to to beat the rush that could happen on Thursday and Friday. Uh, this, despite some reasonably positive news coming out on the uh, trade front, that being the Chinese delegation, according to the South China Morning Post is coming to Washington this week to sign phase one of the trade deal with with the United States. As a matter of fact, several positives and uh, that exist with the market could um, could be looked at a little bit uh, with some some skepticism that that being the market uh, has been up up this this uh, I'll say this month. On the backs of some trade trade news with China that has finally come to a truce, Federal Reserve is is on pause or on neutral for a while. The U.S. consumer continues to be strong, and the global economy now seems to be bottoming and could be on the way up. Mm-hmm. So this could be looked at. These four things could be looked at as either a Glass half full, glass half empty, uh, or could be uh, looked at with some skepticism. Uh, me, I'm looking at them more as a glass half full. Yes, we've got a, a trade deal that's going to continue to be positive going forward, but there still is some potential for some trade tension, particularly with Brexit coming and still some tariffs that have been imposed on South American steel and some issues with Europe. The Fed definitely is in neutral, uh, but some traders are concerned that if the uh, uh, long treasury uh, continues to go down in value, which pushes yields up, that could be an inflation symbol that could get the Fed involved earlier than expected. Well, the consumer is still strong, and there are still some questions about uh, when global growth is going to return. Meantime, uh, I am uh, keeping plenty of cash available, as we have uh, talked about, to take advantage of any pullback that's going to be occurring in the next few weeks, as I expect when earnings come out uh, starting uh, the second and third week of January, there are going to be plenty of bargains to, uh, to get. Sounds good, Josh. Talk to you later. Thanks. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All in North.com. Score North download. Mackie and Judd rolling on right now on Score North. The Vikings playoff fate is set for wild card weekend. 
They're traveling to New Orleans to play the Saints in the Superdome. Shouldn't be any problem. No pressure. It's not like they've had heartbreaking moments there in, I don't know, 10 years ago when a quarterback threw across his body and ripped out this then 17-year-old's heart. You're not still bitter. I'm not at all. But I'm not bitter about Bounty Gate. I have no problem with Bounty Gate. You lost because you turned the ball over five times. That's why you lost. No problem with the pain incentive thing. I have zero issue with that. But hopefully better results this time and maybe something between the Minneapolis Miracle and that. That'd be cool with me. That's uh, That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd. All right. Thank you, Declan. Rami back in the mix tomorrow. Uh, he's a friend of the show, and he is a wonderful NFL insider and, uh, and just a great writer in general, Charles Robinson from Yahoo. And we are, we, you know, we are pretty much just staring at Twitter during times like this, looking for rumors and things. And you had a nugget about how much this game means to Mike Zimmer on Sunday, and we'd love you to share with the audience, Charles. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, how are you guys doing today? This is always, uh, you know, you're waiting for... <laughs> Are some jobs going to come open? Why aren't certain people meeting with people? Yeah. How come there are certain executives who aren't getting back to you? <laughs> Why is Jason like, Garrett still still uh, coach the Cowboys right now? Just put him out of his misery. Right. Like I had, I literally, I'm texting with another another national guy, and I was like, hey, because I know we kind of we have a we have a source in common. We both know he's in common, so occasionally we'll make jokes to each other about him and. I hadn't heard from him since Sunday morning, just like reaching out to him a number of times. And I'm like, have you heard from this guy? And and he's like, oh, yeah, I heard from him Sunday night. And I'm like, should I be concerned? And then, like, today I'm starting to hear other things about, oh, he might be, he's thinking about maybe going to college. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love this. Like, when you don't hear from somebody for, like, 12 to 24 hours, you're starting to, you're like, oh no, is he fired? I remember that feeling. That's not a good feeling. (laughs) Yes, it's awful. We need our sources, Charles. Darn it. I know. I can't afford it. I'm telling you, it's like, unless you're like Adam Schefter or, I mean, like, I I will say for me personally, I'm I'm not afraid to admit, like, Every time one of my guys goes to like college or whatever, I die a slow death. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, why are you going to college? You don't need to be. And then, and then basically what happens is the whole entire time they're in college, I'm like, so what's the deal when you're coming back? Like, who's, are you talking to anybody? It's the worst. But yeah, absolutely. Fire away. Any, 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 anything. I'm I'm glad I could brighten your day today with uh, some interesting Mike Zimmer thoughts. Yeah. Well, does he? Do I know the genesis of it? I mean, is yeah, yeah. Give us like, is he like to what degree is he coaching for his 2020 and beyond job with the Vikings on Sunday? Well, so okay, I'll I'll let you know how this started. So uh, during the course of the week, um, I had a chance to talk to somebody in Washington about Bruce Allen, and I said, you know, what are you going to do with Bruce? Um, Is he going to stay in the organization? And basically what was relayed to me was like, look, if we're going to draw in potential GM candidates or have talks with certain individuals, um, you know, we'll we'll never be able to do that if Bruce is still under the roof. So we got to figure out, you know, what we can do in this situation. And during the course of that conversation, we, you know, we, it was someone who typically he's abreast of, you know, some of the GM candidates who might become available or whatever. And he actually brought up Rick Spielman, which was weird. Like it was, it was just the guy whose name I would, I would never expect to be brought up at this point. I know he's only got a year left on his deal. Right. He just wasn't on my radar. And so he kind of put Rick on my radar and he said, Hey, you know, you know, here are a couple of guys just to think of that. Maybe you want to make some calls on whatever. And so he put Rick on my radar and I'm kind of like, wow, this is weird. 
And I had been talking to people in Cleveland about sort of how things were coming together there. And it was pretty clear that it, at least Sunday morning, it was clear to me like Freddie was going to get fired. And, and what happened next could involve Kevin Stefanski. And then so I'm like, okay, man, I just hear Rick Spielman's name. Now I hear Kevin Stefanski's name. And, you know, I had had conversations um, with someone in the organization there in the past who told me, you know, how much they really think ownership thinks of Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, look, you got Mike Zimmer going into his final year. You've got Rick Spielman going into the final year of his deal. And it's sort of like you have some people who are going to have to sing for their supper in 2020. And I think from the conversations that I had this morning, I feel like there's this inflection point right now in the organization where it's like, if this playoff game goes really, really badly, all of a sudden you're sitting here with a quarterback, a general manager, and a head coach who are all going into the last year of their deal. And this wonderment about continuity with an offensive coordinator who is going to now get his third shot at an interview with the Cleveland Browns. And I really think if Paul D. Podesta is someone who's going to stay in the fold there, it's going to keep Kevin Stefanski right near the top of their list of, of head coaching candidates. I just think there's going to be, I truly feel like there's going to be a moment here where if this is like a blowout loss and things go horribly, there's going to be some talk in, in ownership about, Hey, you know, what are we doing here? Like, do we, do we need to maybe make some changes now or do we really want to go through one more year with this cast of characters, three guys who essentially be sort of in lame duck positions, unless we're going to extend some of these guys this off season or are we going to try to shake this up now? Um, I get the feeling that, you know, there are certain people in personnel there. George Payton, who should be, frankly, the probably the 49ers general manager right now. Some things had happened the way they were supposed to. I don't think George is going anywhere. Um, you know, I, I just, like I said, I think it's interesting when you start to hear these names, you know, across the league. And then a guy like Kevin Stefanski is clearly prized by another organization. I've seen other teams decide to make a move a year early rather than a year late if they really like someone. So, Charles, are Rick and Mike potentially in trouble as a package deal if this team gets blown out by the Saints, do you think? Like, could George I, could George be promoted to GM, Stefanski to coach, and the Wills say, it's your turn, gentlemen? I here here I will uh, let me put it to this way I have no idea if Rick's got if there may be other opportunities out there for Rick and there might be I mean there may be other opportunities out there for Rick like I'm I question why Rick was put on my radar and usually when somebody gets put on my radar it's by an agent or it's by you know it's it's not usually from like another team saying like hey you know keep an eye on this guy you know he could he could be someone who kind of turns up unexpectedly on the general manager mill and. The only reason why, like, normally I'm just like, okay, this is fodder for next year. You know, I'll, I'll give it, you know, I'll think about it next year. But the problem with this is a year ago, I had the same thing happen with Mike McCagney where somebody said, hey, you know, and it was like after free agency, I had someone call me late in March and say, hey, Mike, you know, keep an eye on Mike McCagney. And I'm like, what? And then, and then like a week before the draft, someone said to me again, keep an eye on Mike McCagney. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, they're making all these moves. So, it's put me in a position now where when someone like, you know, this name pops up, I'm like, I can't just dismiss this. Like I used to like now GMs get fired or move on all the time. Now, like it's, it happens 
it doesn't always have to happen, you know, at the points that you expect or in situations where you think, well, they've got a year to do this. So I, I don't know if, say this inflection point happens. I don't know if maybe Rick's got other opportunities out there. I think he's close to George. I, and this is completely speculative on my part, 100%. Would I be completely floored if Rick's like, hey, you know, I got some other opportunities out there. It's George's time. He's at the top of a number of general manager lists. He's going to continue to be at the top. Eventually, he's going to get an opportunity. Ownership likes George. Ownership likes Kevin Stefanski. Maybe this is the point where there's a little bit of a shakeup and Rick sees another opportunity that maybe he can take elsewhere. And so there's a little bit of a transition period that takes place. Again, that's totally speculation on my part, but I'm just saying like things like this in the NFL are not completely unrealistic anymore. It's not like it used to be where their moving parts situations tend to happen more often now than they used to. Uh, oh, go ahead, Judd. Does, does the possibility of the report we saw, Charles, in the past couple of days, and it sounds odd, but the more you think about it from a Jerry Jones standpoint, it makes some sense that there is a possibility that Jerry comes to the Vikings and attempts to work out a trade for uh, Mike. Does that make some sense, given the potential players in the game? Um, I I can't completely discount Mike. Like, I can tell you this, that if, say, you know, say Mike got fired, say, say things go bad, you know, against the, the Saints and Mike ends up getting fired. I mean, Mike's going to be on Jerry's radar 100%, either for a head coaching job or for a coordinator job. Like, absolutely. There's no question in my mind. I don't know. I don't know that he would try to work out a situation where he would acquire him. Um, although I will say this, and I, and I'm only saying this now because nothing happened with Jason, which was weird today, to be honest with you. Um, if, if you were to point at something that happened with Dallas, if you were to say to me, how, how does Jason Garrett stay in place? And then what is the massive change that gets made here where you think like Jason Garrett ends up coming back in some situation? I would say they had to figure out defensively what to do because Chris Richard, it did not work out this year. It was raw. Like he's very, he's a super emotional coach. There was some friction that happened behind the scenes. I mean, I think it was difficult you know, Rod Marinelli, I think they've been looking for, I think if if they were to keep Jason in the fold and say a guy like uh, Kellen Moore, then you're looking at, okay, well, look, we got to make the big move on defense. We got to go get somebody to, to fix this situation. And, and maybe Mike Zimmer would be that guy. Um, I don't know. I, I will, I tend to believe there's no way Mike Zimmer becomes the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, but that's just me thinking that because, I, maybe Jerry doesn't care about it, but I'm telling you it would be a rough situation for Mike walking in the front door. Like it would be a lot of skepticism immediately for a Mike Zimmer hire. And it's hard to walk somebody in the front door under those conditions, considering what just happened the last nine and a half years. Great stuff. Charles Robinson. We'll, we'll let you get back to uh, the speculation train here. Cause I know you've got some digging to do. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but we appreciate yeah, the insight. I, this look, is great. I'll be real with it. I hate to be speculative like that, but I will tell you this, like it's, I really, truly just from the conversations I have had, I would, I think that if it goes really badly against the saints, I would be stunned if there's, like I said, no inflection point there where there's not a like, Hey, you know, do we, are we really going to ride this out one more year? Because I think if you get blown out by the saints, it's clear regression. You've seen clear regression um, over 
the last several years. This was supposed to be, okay, we've ascended into the Super Bowl now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to lose a game like this, particularly if it's not in a competitive environment, and I've seen the same five, like I'm telling you, this is, that might be, they might be as good as it gets in the NFC. Um, it's, it's, it would be a rough situation. And I think ownership can't just sit there and go, Oh, no problem. We'll, we'll, this is only a couple fixes in the off season. We'll be fine. Well, we know you're a wonderful reporter, but your speculation is always good here. Reckless speculation. It's a safe haven for reckless speculation. Great speculation, Charles. <laughs> we absolutely love it. Thank you so much. All right, fellas. Take care. Right, Talk to you. It's uh, Charles Robinson. And let's, uh, let's go from one reckless speculator to another here. <laughs> Patrick Royce. Uh, so we just talked to Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports about, so he's kind of hearing yeah. steam that if things go really sideways on Sunday for the Vikings, that uh, things could be shaken up. So what do you think of that? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I said uh, I said when the year started, I thought they had to win a playoff game. But uh, uh, they had to do more than get to the playoffs with the, with the $28 million quarterback. So... Uh, I don't know, you know, Zygmunt, uh he has been, uh, a, uh, isn't always been patient, you know. Of course, he, he couldn't wait to fire Ticey, but uh, he pulled the plug <laughs> on Chile in the middle of the season, and uh, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think they both go, or do they just one at a time? I can't decide on that one. I can't decide, but I wouldn't be surprised but since, uh, to your point, they're both going to be in last year, their contract in 2020. I would not be shocked if it was a package deal and then the quarterback played out the contract and left after next season. I do not see those two guys joined at the hip, though, do you? Zim and Spielman, I don't think if one goes, the other has to go, do they? I mean, I, I don't... I don't see that kind of relationship. Uh, maybe, maybe I, you know, I don't know. No, I think you're probably right. I, just my perception is that, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not that tight. I think in pro well, sports, they not let these rumors get too uh, too too far out there, though. They won't be able to trade Zim to crazy Jerry Jones for a second round draft choice. I love that thought. They, they they better spread the rumor that they've offered him a four year extension or something. Second round pick, I take it probably. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. Jerry Jones is crazy enough. He didn't hire him nine years ago, so now he wants him. Sure. I mean, it's probably all BS, but it's it's fantastic. But I don't know. Uh, I I think Spielman's a little slicker than them, so if somebody saves their job, it'll probably be Spielman. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Black Monday is fast becoming one of my favorite sports days of the year, by the way. It's just like, it's just cloak and dagger, man, all day. Not that many today. Only only two officially today. Freddie Kitchens and Pat Shermer. The big shock to me is Dan Quinn saving his job. I can't believe that one. How how is that possible? I thought he'd get blown out six weeks ago. I did too. And now they uh, they let him fire his defensive coordinator, right? No, it was his offensive coordinator, right? Today, didn't they fire Oh, did he fire his offensive coordinator? I didn't see that one yet. Yeah, yeah, but it is. Yeah, it hasn't been as bloody as usual. That's. Uh, I, I don't know what what the deal is. You know, some of them happened earlier. They, uh, you know, Rivera getting fired. I love the idea that Rivera is now a hot property. Who the hell would hire him? You know, Washington's I mean, going to, which is hilarious because he, if there's one job I wouldn't want to take, it's say? yeah, he's going to get the Washington job. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> they finally got rid of. Uh, 
they finally got rid of uh, Bruce Allen, though. Yeah, they, they fired him this morning. Ten years, man. Yep. Yeah. That was quite a run. That was quite a run for him. I don't know. Do you think, okay, we make a lot of fun of baseball owners, the lords of baseball and all that, but I think the NFL's got more whack jobs than the uh, than, uh than baseball because I think with all the money they're bringing in, their egos get more massive even than baseball owners do, don't you? Yeah. I mean, they're just, I mean, they, they get to be just, you know, they're, they, they're just printing money and they just, they feel like they're these uh, uh, irreplaceable members of every community and uh, they can do anything they want and they're, they're all goofy. And then they get to a point where they actually think, you know, the one thing that people should like about Jim Polat is he knows he doesn't know anything about baseball, right? <laughs> he lets other right. guys run the, run the thing. And, and um, you know, the, these football guys like Zygmunt and these guys, they start to think they know something, which they don't. But uh, anyway. Yeah, just be a just be a fan with a lot of money who hires the smart people and watch the game in a suite. I impulsively fire. That's them. what Jerry Jones should be doing right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he in theory his son is now like the the, the chief operator or something like that. But uh, I, no, that, that's never going to happen until Jerry's no longer at this vale of tears. He's uh, he can't stand not uh, being the center of attention. Yeah. So what's uh what's your viewpoint on this game here? Just we we have all week to lead up to Viking Saints, but uh, I feel like every time these two teams connect with each other, something there something's in store. Uh, we've had two of the greatest games of modern NFL history: 2009 NFC Championship game and the Minneapolis Miracle. I don't know I don't know if these two teams are going to cook up that kind of a recipe, but I'm I'm looking forward to the matchup on Sunday. Well, I've heard Collar's conversation uh, with. Uh, the, the Sam, what's his name? Sam Ekstrom, yeah. Yeah, and I thought Ekstrom made, made a good point that it, if they can, you know, they got to get Dalvin Cook on the field and run the ball. They can't, uh, they, they can't think that Kirk Cousins is going to win a shootout with Drew, Drew, <laughs> Drew Brees. So they, you know, they got to, they got to slow the game down. They got to hold the ball for. 35 minutes or something like that. They can't, they can't be flinging it all over, but I don't think it's in the idea of, you know, running the ball and throwing short passes and, uh, you know, throwing a few screen passes here and there and holding on to the ball. I think that's possible. I certainly don't think that, uh, we all, uh, nobody was terribly optimistic when they went into the, uh, Superdome in 2009 and the Vikings outplayed them. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. The other thing I don't know about this team is how much, how much they've left, how much of their self worth, self esteem they lost in that Packers game, which after watching the Packers against the Lions yesterday becomes even more unexplainable where an effort like that came from. That was an absolutely brutal performance. The Packers did everything but tell D- Detroit, we're going to get on our plane and leave town right now at halftime. Yeah, it was it was awful. But uh, I don't know. The other thing you got to worry about is Zim's team hasn't exactly uh, finished the season with, uh, with courageous performances last year against the Bears, the year before that against the Eagles. They, uh, I'm not sure they get better. And let's face it, though. You know, the Minneapolis miracle was a miracle because they stunk it out the second half of that game. So I, I'm not sure that uh, 
I, I don't know. I don't know how Zim's has Zim's team. Has he ever had a team play extremely well in the playoffs? This is his third time, right? Well, they, I I think in the in the Blair Walsh game, the yeah. defense played great, but it was a terrible. You know, there was nothing happening offensively. Maybe because it was twenty. Balls. I was going to say both teams were bad offensively. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't know. They, you know, they 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 sure looked good the first half against the Saints, <laughs> and then ended up having to have a miracle. It was a blowout, and then they uh, ended up uh, getting beat. That said, uh, I also, uh, you know, I do think Peyton's slightly overrated. You know, he's, he's had his share of failures, too. He's an arrogant SOB as well. <laughs> Zim likes him, though. Well, They're buddies. They're actually friends. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. I, and it's certainly a different uh, kind of cats. I don't think Peyton flies in and helps drinks while sits around the farm and drinks no. wine. No. No, I think you're I right. I think so. By the way, Patrick. Payton is an amazing story, though, isn't he? Got suspended, uh, yeah. sat out the year. There are all these rumors that he was leaving. And God, he's, where is he in longevity in the league? Oh, he's been there I forever now. Check, he he yeah. was he was McVay before McVay too. He was the wonder kid at one time with the Giants. Great offensive mind. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, he uh, wasn't he the. Uh, was he gone by forty one donor? No, yeah, he was there. He wasn't he like the kid? Yeah, he was kid. Kid. Yeah, I don't know if he was the coordinator or the or the number two guy, but he was he was with the forty one donut game. Did Did you see? By the way, yes, sir. The anniversary of that. I got the anniversary of that coming up. I gotta go write rewrite another column on the anniversary of forty one donut. You know, I tried. I found something. I tried a few years ago to kind of do a spinoff like the. Seinfeld uh, uh, guys, the uh, Festivus. Yes, I, mean, I kind of like try to do a Festivus of that. Uh, you know, for Minnesota sports fans, forty-one donut. It's, it's what January seventeenth, fifteenth, seventeenth, something like that. Did you what see that the news from Target Center, Patrick? You're going to be what? shocked by this. Tonight's game against Brooklyn. Yeah. Cat and Wiggy are both are both not playing again. What's let's. Uh, Somebody said to me, this team, they better start washing their hands after they uh, go to the bathroom or something with all the viruses. we got to get one of those hand soapers in the, in the locker room, don't we? Yeah, I think some hand sanitizer would be it would be helpful for yeah, the team. Yeah, that's what I mean. we got to do something. Yeah. You know, Wiggy, either that is Wiggy said, he ain't playing, I ain't playing. Yep, <laughs> I think that's it. All right, Pat. Uh, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, and Happy New Year! Or are we going to we talk to you tomorrow or after the New Year? No, I'll be. Uh, I'll still be around. I'm not going to be out trucking on Christmas. All right, New Year's Eve, sounds so good. good. All right, we'll see Get you tomorrow. To Mrs. Mackey for me. I will. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Podcastable, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. <laughs>